you mean well, like you have a good spirit and a good idea in your head that, oh, I need to experience and understand things for myself, which is great, which is fine. However, there are some things that you cannot reinvent the wheel because then every hundred years, somebody would need to reinvent the wheel because he would not believe that the wheel exists. Hi, and welcome to Podcaster Stories. Each show, we'll have a conversation with podcasters across all mediums and share their story, what motivates them, why they started their show, how they grew their show, and more. We'll also talk about their personal lives and some of the things that have happened that have made them the person they are today. And now, here's your host, Danny Brown. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Podcaster Stories, where we meet the people behind the voices of the shows we listen to. This week, uh, we have Lefteris Stafaras of the Lefteris Ask Science podcast, and I'm going to hopefully say I got your name correct here. Very, very um, correct, yeah. <laughs> okay, if not, I sincerely apologise. Um, now, the Lefteris Ask Science uh, podcast is a really cool podcast that gets different scientists on to talk about various uh, you know, levels of expertise and different topics and different fields of science and it tries to you know make science fun and educational um, while getting to know the people so Lefteris uh, thanks for appearing on the show and I'll hand it over to you to maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and your podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show it's a real pleasure to uh, be a guest so uh, yeah I started the podcast in December last year uh, where basically I wanted to Meet the people behind the research because I did my PhD uh, and I've been in academia for about 10 years. So through academia, I've met so many people and I've seen so much of the technology and science that it seems to me that it was quite mature even in academia, but it's not really applied outside for X, Y, Z reasons, right? So I really wanted, and every time I was speaking with people who are not in academia, they always have like that idea that people in the universities are either stealing our money, which is, well, <laughs> some people think that, or that people are there are very, very smart and like you cannot touch them because there's this on a pedestal. And I just wanted to show people that this, what what people do in, in academia is is interesting. It, it is hard, obviously, but what it is, it's just basically people taking the time Basically, if, if you're doing a PhD for four years, you're just looking at one thing. So mm -hmm. even if uh, it seems complex at the end, like the steps are quite simple that really every, everybody can do it if you just like basically decide that you can want to invest the time in your life to get a PhD or to do research or anything. So that's how I started uh, the podcast after I finished my PhD. Okay, and I know, I mean, looking at your show, um, as you mentioned, you started it earlier this year, and already there's been like a, a pretty good variety of scientists, you know, come on to talk with you. Um, I mean, I noticed that there was one that was talking about the science of bubbles and its impact on materials, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, and there was another one, obviously, um, I, I think there was a... There was one about um, the evolution of language um, and how you know, how that evolves over time. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned that you're doing a PhD or you're finishing your PhD, sorry, or finished PhD. Um, is there a particular science that you're drawn to, um, either from your own you know, uh, studies or from the guests maybe that you've spoken to uh, up to now? Well, I, 
I was trained in material science, so and uh, mechanical engineering. So that's where I'm like naturally tend to go when, like, my day job is in mechanical engineering and material science. So that's what I, I enjoy doing. But when I started doing the podcast, I realized that I started speaking with uh, people who had spent a lot of their time and effort. And they got excited about linguistics or uh, cavities like the bubbles. So it, it dawned to me that like everything can be quite interesting. Everything can be very interesting if you actually see it from their perspective. So every time I have somebody on, on the show, I'm trying to see why they get excited to talk about their work because sometimes it's not only oh I get to talk about myself and my work but at the same time it's like oh the work like I chose to do this and spend four years or eight years or whatever uh, because this uh, excites me so I enjoyed like trying to find that that why it gets exciting for them uh, and I'm wondering, I know, um, I mean, I was never great at science at school. I loved the, the subjects, but I wasn't a- academically great <laughs> at science. And, and sometimes I wonder if the, the word itself, science, puts a lot of people off because it has this sort of um, grey-haired, you know, um, vision, if you like. You talk about scientists in movies and books, and there are always these guys in the white lab coats and very stereotypical, yeah. you know. And, and I wonder is this something that, that that we're now starting to realise? You know what, science is pretty cool, it's pretty fun. Um, I know my kids' schools, for example, are really emphasising science and STEM, etc., over, say, traditional math and English, which I think is awesome. So do you think we're starting to see maybe a flip uh, over the last, like, I don't know, five, ten years or so, maybe more, between how science is viewed and accepted, if you like? Yeah, I feel that in the past couple of years, like, from pop culture, you see a lot of, uh, all, all, all in the movies and the TV series, you see scientists in their eureka moments, which is not the real aspect of science, really. Like it, it in the span of like a year that you're working on something, it will happen maybe once if you're lucky. It's like ah, that's the thing that I figured out, and that's what I was missing oh, no. from my. Or even if you find it, it's that eureka moment for the scientist is so much like ah, I'm missing one parameter for my equation that's why it didn't work so it's not like very flashy but at the same time i think like uh there's it's been a lot of effort from like uh science communicators like neil degrasse tyson uh neil bill nye the science guy so there were people who uh, became more famous because they were talking about science mm. so I, I guess that's why like slowly and i it's my optimistic side of saying, like, well, hopefully people will start to see that it's good to go on that way and try to have a discussion about scientific principles and try to have a discussion about uh, scientific discoveries and how you can use them in everyday life and how can they affect society. And hopefully, like, people slowly tend to go towards there and, like, bring the discussion over. Right. And I, I know, I mean, here in Canada, um, we had a, a huge, not, not so much on a science uh, point of view, but 
Um, that, well, there was. I, I, I'll correct myself there. Um, a couple of maybe four years back, Chris Hadfield, the uh, the first Canadian scientist, uh, sorry, the first Canadian astronaut to go into space, and he was doing some, you know, science experiments up there, and he was live streaming, live feeding back, and there was a whole bunch of kids, and schools were all getting, you know, uh, their their like uh, all the schools were getting the classes together to watch the live stream, and it was huge here in Canada. I think to your point, where people are now picking up and seeing it in a fun way. And how the message and how the the education, if you like, is being put across. I I, I kind of think back to the the whole uh, menfos and the diet Pepsi uh, experiment. Where you drop three or four yeah. menfos into there, and and that talks about propulsion, which I think is awesome. If I got taught that at school, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I think that's definitely a really good point you make about how that message is being, you know, shared now. Yeah, social media has helped a lot. Like the fact that you could actually see posts from the ISS and like see like the, the astronauts that have been in space share their own stories and social media and their own pictures so that I feel that's helped a lot because I guess the new generation for the part of the new generation like I guess I'm part of it because I'm not that old uh, uh, we grew up with the internet and there was YouTube there was Facebook there was Twitter later so we tend we grew up with these uh, avenues of communication, so you could we could see uh, more and more science uh, being pushed there. Yeah, and, and I, it's interesting to watch. I mean, obviously, um, we were speaking earlier in the green room, and we were talking about you know how life's a little bit different at the moment based on where we normally be. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the good things, if anything good can come from the current pandemic, is that science is coming more to the fore. You know, we're we're looking to our scientists to to help us and to educate us, which previously that might have not been the case. And and I wonder if this is also maybe like a turning point where people are starting to wake up. Hey, we should believe more in science as opposed to you know the the populist belief that well scientists is just you know cookie stories or whatever. And yeah. also, what's your take on how that's like playing out? Well. Internet is a is a weird rabbit hole that you could end up from. Oh, like I'm re- seeing videos or reading about how the coronavirus affects people and how you should like treatment and are they going to find the vaccine and things like that. And then you very fast. I don't know if it's my rabbit hole or anything. You go to people saying like, oh, you should not wear masks because masks give you carbon dioxide poisoning or. And the earth is flat and global warming is not a thing. So uh, that scares me a bit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, no, how, like the... how easy people tend to fall, fall into those rabbit holes and don't understand what a theory is and they don't understand how science scientists work and what a peer review study is. So the, one of the, the, the thing that sparked me to actually start the podcast because I had the the idea for the, for the podcast for a very long time, but I read a news article, uh, a popular news article about how they somebody did some drug tests on mice about uh, the Alzheimer's disease, and I was on Reddit and I read the article and then I read the comments on Reddit and the vast majority of the comments were like, well, I saw this news article, like similar news article last year, but uh, the big pharma companies don't want you to have um, the Alzheimer's disease uh, drug because that's how they make money or blah, 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 blah. And I'm not a doctor, a medical doctor. I'm not a biologist, but I understand that they tried this on mice 
And they're like steps where you go from mice to humans and then you have to try it in humans and see if it works. And then you understand that I understood like actually we lose more money if we treat Alzheimer's Alzheimer's uh, patients uh, right now. It will be much more cheaper if we actually have a drug and like cure them from Alzheimer's. It's more expensive to, to, to pay for their treatment for a very long period of time. So... Nobody wins by not having the cure for Alzheimer's. Right. Uh, so that's when I, I read this and I'm like, ah, I had a friend who was doing research in Alzheimer's and I get to talk to her supervisor. And that's how I started doing uh, the research, the, the podcast rather, sorry. Hmm. No, and, and that's I think that's a great point. I know, like I, I see some discussions on Facebook. It, it really, if I had any hair, I'd pull it out because it's just <laughs> it's just that bad. It's just, but it's, it's it's to your point. I think um, I love it. There, there's so much deflection and deliberate ignorance, and it's it, like you say, it's scary, and and it's good to see that more people are pushing back and saying, you know what, no, we need to try, trust the scientific community. You know, that they're, they're not in it for some big ego stroke or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Far more politics or whatever, um, but yeah. That, so now, obviously, um, like well, like we mentioned earlier, uh, the podcast has got a, a wide variety of guests, and it's it's really cool to see you know what different topics like pop up. Of the people we've spoken with so far, either on the published episodes or any that you have on the back burner ready to be scheduled, etc., is there any that have kind of stood out for you in particular, and, and if so, why that particular topic or show? Uh, that's an interesting question. So. I like to pick two episodes. There was one that I had, um, Angeline de Dios. She is a Filipino scholar working in Hong Kong, and she is studying Filipino migrant musicians and how, uh, what is their experience in working overseas. And that was actually the longest because I try to have my podcast be like 20, 25 minutes long because I get sci- I know science is like scary for people. <laughs> so I try to like make it to bite-sized pieces so that it's easier to digest. But that interview lasted for about two hours. So because I, it, it was very funny to me because I asked her a question. Her answer was long-winded. And in, in the middle of it, I was like, oh, this is not what I asked. Where are we going? And then it made a long turn to answer the eventual question that I had in the beginning. So that was very interesting to me to see how different scholars, scholars from a different uh, science, like cultural science, because I had no, I have no background in cultural sciences, how that worked, <laughs> how their mind worked, mm. and how more complex uh, social studies are than me going in the lab, put a, putting A and B together, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other one I, I enjoyed is the one that's coming next week. No, actually rather tomorrow. Um, I got to interview uh, two astronomers uh, who uh, did their own uh, calculations and they derived a new equation about how many... Uh, communicating civilizations are there in our galaxy. Okay. So, and they came up with the number 36. And I was trying to understand how, what is, how many things do you have to consider to say, like, okay, is it, why not 35? Why not 
So it was interesting. It was also challenging because it was the first time I met, I was interviewing two people at the same time for the podcast. So right. I was not. <laughs> it was usually it was it's one on one. So uh, so it was challenging technically because it was uh, a different way to ask questions for specific people, and um, it was uh, astronomy is always it's easy to get lost in astronomy because we always we have that age old question of like where where are we where do we come from where are we going so and it was fun it was very interesting to me to see how by looking how many other galaxies how many other communicating civilizations are in our galaxy there is a way to actually see how long can we expect our civilization to exist right so it was a nice way to look Look outside, but learn more about yourself. So that was um, a nice realization during that podcast. And that comes out tomorrow, right? Yes, that comes yeah. out tomorrow. I'll listen yeah. to that. My, my son and I, uh, we just moved up uh, like to, uh, up north from the city um, in last November. So our skies are a lot clearer. Um, there's no city smog or anything. And he's really getting into you know looking at the stars and wanting to know which ones and which of the galaxies are. And I used yeah. to be able to tell that when I was about his age, but I sort of lost, <laughs> lost track of it. Um, and I'm sure he'd be interested to hear that. That as well because he's really into you know you know are we the only people here what's that what's, what's that up there are they different planets yeah. etc um so that'll be a good one i'll, I'll look forward to that um now i know we did we'd spoken earlier um we sort of kind of um eased into it but i'm, I'm curious uh just to maybe revisit the we were talking about you know how, how science is getting a, a more respected if that's the right word i, I don't mean to you know dilute anything but um that might be the wrong word i apologize if it is um, okay. I'm, I'm curious why do you think there is such an anti-science stance in some countries um i mean some are better than others a lot better <laughs> than others <laughs> uh, and i guess maybe you know you look at the u.s at the moment and you know what's happening from the leadership and how that sort of negates what science does or what it can do um and I, i'm just curious it, is there anything that you found in your own, you know, your own personal life or personal studies um, or professional life that, that you've seen people push back against science for particular reasons or beliefs or, or anything? I feel that most of the time that I've seen, I've met people that are, they say that they're not against science. So most of the people that are, that are against science, they don't believe that they're against science. So I, I, I'm trying to come from the, the places like you mean well, like you have a good spirit and a good idea in your head that, oh, I need to experience and understand things for myself, which is great, which is fine. However, there are some things that you cannot reinvent the wheel because then every hundred years somebody would need to reinvent the wheel because he would not believe that the wheel exists right because i will not believe the books and or my teacher who said that the wheel exists i will um, try to prove it myself so you would hit the roadblock like every every hundred or so years you would be like nothing is happening moving forward so that's what i'm trying to explain to people that when they say like well i don't believe everything that the teacher tells me or everything that I see on that's a funny bit, especially in Greece is like, I don't believe everything that they tell me on television. And then they go on YouTube and believe what they see on YouTube, which is, this is a, a funny way to explain to them. Well, it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like moving pictures on a screen. It's a, uh, it's basically 
lack of edu- lack of formal education is plays a role, I guess. But at the same time, I feel that a lot of com- science communicators and educators maybe they don't have the patience to deal with these people because I I, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson in some in some discussion I said that. Oh, if an argument takes longer than five minutes, then I'm out. Right. Some people are stubborn, and some people require a bit more effort. And if nobody gives that effort, then nobody will help them eventually. <laughs> yeah, so it's like so, trying to find that fine line, I guess, between acceptance from non-believers or skeptics to, let's say, maybe patients from the other side. Yeah. And because I, I I can understand that as well. Because I mean. I know I would get super frustrated if I was trying to do my job and I was getting the same question time and yes. time again or the same pushback time and time again. I think I'd get, at some stage, I'd run out of patience. So, you know what? Good luck. You know, go, yeah. <laughs> go do whatever you want to do. You know? So I get that completely. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's a, I, and I also do, I also have that as well. But I'm not the most patient person in the world, but I'm trying to, if, if I see that the person is well-spirited and he's not combative, like, Right, right off the bat from this beginning of the conversation, then I would probably make the extra effort and try and see where we can find the common ground. But uh, yes, if if they start calling, they call it, trying to explain to me why the Earth is flat and why I have been tricked uh, and I've been lied to by my teachers and by the uh, astro- astronomy and everything, then then you, it's a lost battle. So. <laughs> yeah it reminds me of that facebook meme about uh, i'm not sure if it's like a uh, an actual meme or not or like if it was an actual post by the page but it was like the flat air for society or something like that and uh it, it the, the the copy that went with the the picture that they put up was people around the globe are finally realizing the truth about flat earth and yeah. the first commenter says did you realize what you just said the globe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like i don't know if that was like a photoshop one but it, i always think yeah. back to that one you know, thinking of like anti-science or deniers or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, I, I know you'd mentioned that you're in uh, Singapore. Uh, you're, you're originally from Greece, but you've been in Singapore for the last... Um, five years. Five years. Yeah. What, what What have you found been the biggest difference or the biggest difference possibly um, between, uh, say, science and how it's approached in Singapore versus science and how it's approached in Greece or back in Europe or... Well, uh, it's, Singapore has a lot more money than Greece, <laughs> <laughs> so it's much easier to do science here. Uh, however, that, that's one thing we were discussing with my coworkers. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword because um, what I've seen a lot of times here that let's say we have a problem and uh, it's me and uh, some other uh, local person who is trying to solve it. They have. They have a methodology. So, okay, this this problem has a hundred different methods of being resolved that maybe is resolved. Like one of those hundred methods will work to solve this problem. Uh, here they will start. Okay, me- method one. Let's start. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, method two. In Greece, because we've haven't, I think, because we haven't had the money. Because we haven't had uh, the ease of access to some equipment or whatever, we've always tried to, to see, okay, to, to find a way, the best way to do this. So from the beginning, we're saying, okay, we, I don't have all these resources, 
So from the 100 methods that are available, maybe these 15 are more probable, it's the most probable way of this working. So I'll start with those 15 first. So it's, I guess it's the critical thinking aspect maybe sometimes lacks, but they're so hardworking, they, they can catch up very fast. So it, it's not, it not, does not really imp- impede the whole process mm. of, of research because they're so hardworking and they will stick to it and do it until it's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trait to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, just to just to flip it over a little bit, um, just like a fun fun little thing. Um, what's something that not a lot of people would know about you that might surprise them if they found out? What we were discussing with my, my girlfriend, my partner, uh, recently is that I seem like a person that has a lot of patience, but there are some things that even though like a person like me who has a lot of patience would do it, I would just flip out in a fraction of a second because I don't know, like maybe that that's, I, I've had enough, like, I don't know, but I guess that I, well, maybe, okay, maybe, maybe a better answer to this because that's a boring answer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, is that I I have a playlist on my Deezer. I use a uh, uh, streaming platform instead of Spotify. I use Deezer. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a playlist that's called Miserable Music. Okay. And I, I listen to that in order to seem happy to other people. Oh, wow. So in- instead of uh, showing my anger or sadness to other people, I tend to channel this into the music that I listen to. So I have a, play- a playlist called Miserable Music, and I just listen to that a lot. A lot. Okay, and <laughs> what, what, what kind of artist would be on that then? Uh, it's a big range. There's a Canadian artist called Devin Townsend, okay. uh, who has some uh, ambient music, which is quite sad. Uh, sometimes there's um, some English music, Anathema or Radiohead, some music from Radiohead is quite uh, quite melancholic for sure. Porcupine Tree, things like that that yeah. uh, I enjoy listening and uh, and being happy on the outside. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's cool. That's actually a different approach to have like a melancholy music to 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 pro- project happiness. So you like that's cool. yeah. I've I vent my sadness and anger through music. Yeah, and if. This is like um, this question sometimes pops up. It just depends if it jumps in or not. Um, who's your all-time hero, and why that person? I always look up to my father because he has had he he was fair to his detriment. He was very fair. Like uh, even when he he's a mechanical engineer, uh, he is not in academia. But there are a lot of times where. He, for example, somebody would ask him for him for his help, and a job that he got paid for, but uh, he could have been paid for much much more. Right. But and that was to his detriment a lot of times. Uh, but he never stopped like trying, and he never stopped trying to learn things, and he never stopped uh, making effort to provide for everything that he could so my father is a is definitely 
high up there. Hmm. And is that where you, you mentioned he was in mechanical engineering? Is that where you got your interest and love for it from? Yeah, def- definitely. Like my, my brother is a mechanical engineer as well. Uh, so we're a family of engineers. Uh, I it definitely got my incline towards engineering from my dad. Where, for example, when my brother is five years older, and when he got his first car, he, he did not get a, a new car. He did not get a good used car. What we did is we got a, a 1974 Mini Cooper, oh, which nice. which was in a very very bad shape. And we started building it from the ground up to make, to find out how the how cars work and why they work that way. And so that was a nice learning experience to cars, for example. Right. So that was uh, his way of teaching us, basically. Like, okay, you're driving, but you're going to earn the, <laughs> your driver <laughs> yeah. experience. Oh, that's cool. And what a great car to build on as well, like the Mini Cooper. It's like exactly. just such a historic, iconic vehicle. And, so, and you still have that? Is that car still in, uh, running about? W- both my, both me and my brother left Greece. Okay. So it was our car. So it stayed immobile for a year. And then we went back and it was uh, it needed another month and a half of repairs. So we kind of... Uh, uh, sold it <laughs> after that <laughs> okay. because nobody was using it. My dad had his own car for his for his work, and uh, my mom was staying at home. So, uh, cool. Well, Lester, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I've had Pleasure. a blast chatting with you, um, and I'm really looking forward to the episode coming out tomorrow. I, like I said, I know my son will be super stoked because he loves astronomy. And I, I just think it's a cool topic for you to have scientists come on and sort of demystify and de- Es- not, not de-escalate, that's a rubbish word to describe it. <laughs> Take away the fear, I guess, the unknown uh, behind science. Um, what's your goals with the, the podcast um, and future shows and guests, etc.? Well, the, the bigger the better, the, the, the show for me. Like I, I, Ideally, what I always had in my mind, I enjoyed uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations uh, shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, my idea, the best case scenario that would happen for me is that I get to actually go with a camera and a crew in the labs or in wherever that happens so that I get to experience and explain uh, that uh, that research. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, like a Midsummer Night's Dream. It's like, ah, that <laughs> would uh, be amazing. But yeah, for, for now, I'm also... Because I come from a, the harder part for me to start was because I come from a radio background. Okay. I did I did radio when I was in Greece, so it was easier for me to do radio because I knew that every Saturday and Sunday I have those two hours where I have to prepare before that, go to the studio, do my show, and then forget about it. Mm, all right. And just now it's kind of it, it it's opposite. Like I do the show first, and then I have to see how to promote it. So it's a learning curve for me. It's like, how do you promote? How do you start building uh, uh, email database for newsletters? How like things like that? So I that's my next to do list. Like uh, build, building uh, a newsletter uh, database for people. 
which I had an idea what I want to be the newspaper newsletter, but now I need to see how do I get people to subscribe and right, yeah. <laughs> how do <But> I start. <laughs> it's like you say, it's like it goes back to these like 100 steps, right, that you were mentioning earlier, where you have to go, yeah. step one didn't work, let's go to step two. Step yeah, two. exactly. Go that way. Oh, that's cool. Exactly. So for people that want to check your podcast out or connect with you online, either on social media or website, etc., where's, uh, where's the best place that people can find you and, and learn more? So uh, Twitter is uh, the main avenue that I use for uh, the podcast. So it's Lefteris underscore asks. Uh, I have my website, uh, uh, lefterisasks.com, where I upload the, po- the shows there. Uh, that's the, the two main avenues that I, that I use. They can now uh, also email me, but uh, that's a very new thing at lefteris at lefterisasks.com. It was a weird thing because I know that my name is not very easy to say. <laughs> and uh, I was, but I cannot get around it. Yeah, I yeah. have to. <laughs> so, and uh, the name of the podcast is because I have a lot of questions. That's uh, where this this comes from. Even in my daily job, I'm the person who asks the most questions because I need to understand <laughs> every single thing. So, Lefteris asks, lefterisasks.com and Lefteris underscore asks are my Twitter handles. So that's where it's easier to see me. And I do my podcast every two weeks. More or less, like uh, plus or minus a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, that's the avenue for me. Okay, cool. And I'll make sure that I drop the all the links to your website and the podcast, etc., into the show notes. So you're listening to this on your podcast app. Be sure to check, check the show notes out and you'll get the details there. All right, well, like I said, I do really appreciate you coming on, Lefteris. Um Thank you very much. I appreciate and- it as well. I know I'll be listening. I'll be catching up on some of you. I was listening quickly to some of your earlier episodes and the trailer, so I'll be catching up on them over the next week or so. Um, Thank but you. you've definitely got a new subscriber with myself because I love the whole idea behind your show. It's, it's, it's awesome. So really cool to see it happen. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, for sure. Okay, guys. Well, this has been another another episode of Podcaster Stories. Um, if you enjoyed this week's show, be sure to you know leave a review on iTunes so other people can find the show too. And you can you know find each episode on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and more. Or hop on over to podcasterstories.com where you'll find the latest episode and you can catch up on the newsletter if you want to do that. Until the next time, guys. Take care. Stay safe, and we'll speak soon. <laughs>